This is the This is the This is the Brain This is the Brain Language This is the Brain Language Podcast. This is the Brain Language Podcast. This is the Brain Language Podcast. Welcome to the Brain Language Podcast, where we share NLP concepts to help you in your business and life. I'm James Lusk. And I'm Susan Stageman. And today we're going to discuss and talk about when you feel more like a firefighter than a business owner. I mean, during the last few years in which a lot of people felt like their life fell into a big black hole, maybe it was a little bit more relaxed. And now, now things are starting to come back alive and there's all kinds of things we have to do. And sometimes as a business owner, and, you know, sometimes just as a parent, as a teacher, a professional, we seem like we're just going back and forth like firefighters answering the next call rather than really kind of flowing along in the business or in our life and really enjoying it. And I think, James, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I think sometimes the more I try to get things done, the less I actually do. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so we stop planning and then we just jump from crisis to crisis and put out fires. And really, when I look back, I think, wow, did I really accomplish anything? You know, I just saw this the other day, the difference between accomplishing things and doing things, there is a difference. So. Mm. Sometimes it's the feeling of overwhelm that sets in and left to itself, it will ensure that the system will go into chaos and it's a very stressful place. I feel like, and maybe this is true for a lot of our listening audience, we feel like we never really get ahead. Life becomes, I call it a decathlon, running and gunning and trying to beat the clock. Your aim becomes sloppy. You don't hit as many targets. You get tired. It's distressful. And then, of course, it's no longer fun. So, James, I, I know you're a Texas. Now, are you Texas born and raised? I don't remember. Oh, gosh. I wish I could claim that. But no, I'm a Yankee. I'm out of Minnesota. Oh, oh you are? I didn't know that. Well, then you understand <laughs> yeah. ice skating, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I used to ice skate a lot. And uh, even as a young adult, when I lived up north, I used to go ice skating. I really loved it. But my experience of ice skating was kind of you're going along and everything's going smoothly. And then all of a the sudden, there's this sense of losing control. We might get distracted by something else. Somebody may fall down beside us or, God forbid, in front of us. Our skate snags the ice or somebody calls to us. And then we really instantly know that we're in trouble. And then we try to compensate. And it all happens in an instant. We want to avoid a fall, but we're moving wildly out of balance. Wild swings, the arms waving frantically as you try to avoid that fall. But if we're not by a rail, well, and I used to, in New Jersey, I used to go ice skating on ponds, right? When the ponds were frozen. So there are no rails, just other people that you can, you know, bring down with you. So if there's no <laughs> rail, then you're down and bruised. It's a funny feeling that the more you try to stay upright, the more out of control you are. So I thought we could talk about some of the things that maybe a lot of you have heard before, but maybe you want to implement this time, or maybe you just need to be reminded. So 
James and I are going to talk about each one of these a little bit. And if you want to take notes, you can take notes. I'm going to put them in the description of the show so that you can read that if you want to. So, James, any comments on this so far? Oh, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first and foremost, I think just your title for this episode, just the premise for this, you know, when you feel more like a firefighter than a business owner is so applicable, especially with today's current market. I mean, pretty much, I could almost say regardless of what industry you're in, things are turbulent. We've had just crazy changes over the last couple of years with the lockdowns, the shutdowns, things are up and down, theaters, everything has changed and been turned upside down. You had people like Zoom, like tech companies like Zoom blowing up, hiring like crazy, stocks through the roof where cruise ships were just plummeting. And now as the market begins to correct itself, it's like turbulence again. Who's doing layoffs? How can we be adaptable? I think the analogy that you told in the story of ice skating maps on so well. And I, for me, if I sum it up in one word, it's floundering at times, <laughs> right? That's good, that's, yeah. Yeah. Over you know the last year in my transportation and logistics company, there were many times that's what I felt like. Reactive, I'm putting out fires, I'm floundering. And it, the elements that we'll discuss that you provided today, I've used them. There's some that I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. I wish I had had that in my back pocket when I was going through that moment. So I'm excited to get into it. And hopefully, what we talk about today can help the listeners of your show be less of a firefighter and more of like Smokey the Bear, right? Where we can prevent some more exactly. fires. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. So these are things that I've come up with and maybe people in our listening audience have some of their own ideas that work for them. Mm -hmm. But why don't you go ahead and start us out? Yeah, perfect. So the first one that we'll discuss is scheduling time, being really intentful on how you map your day out. And I live and die by this one. So I have time when I'm looking, I have my email checking time. You know, I have phone calls when I'm doing emails, my phone's on silent. You know, I'm not yeah, doing good. triage, getting interrupted. Yeah, there's very specific time slots to handle things that I need to handle as a business owner. So definitely, if you're a slave to the phone or computer, you're not being proactive. That is when we talked about being in that reactive phase, you feel like you're floundering. And that's when reactive reacts to what is happening. Or pardon me, actually, I misspoke. Maybe you can clear that up for me, Susan, in terms of like the difference between proactive and reactive there. Yeah, that's you were you were right. When we react to what's happening, it's like, Something happens, then we react. Something happens, and then we react or respond. Then we're being reactive. That's the wait pattern. We call it wait and initiate, proactive, reactive, the meta program in NLP. So what happens is that particular patterns, wait and consider, wait, wait, analyze, analyze, may do something or not do something. But it is a pattern in which the object at rest tends to stay at rest unless acted upon an outside force. So that's the reactive. And if you're a slave, like you said, to your phone and computer, the phone rings, you pick it up, the, this happens, that happens. That's that firefighter mentality. Think of the actual firefighters. Think of the actual profession. They don't go around looking for fires. And mm -hmm. God forbid you had to have somebody in there setting them, which is you never want a firefighter who's proactive. 
right? That is not a good, that is not good for that profession, nor is it good for the person. The firefighters sit around in their firehouse or in sometimes smaller venues, they may be called out from their normal habitat and they respond to fires. They react to fires. So when you're doing that through your phone, your customers, and I realize sometimes it's very hard not to jump up and take care of things right away. It's sometimes it's good to kind of sit and wait and just see what else happens. But the proactive anticipates the reactive reacts to what is happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that helps a little bit. Oh, yeah. So the next one is prioritizing your tasks. I'm sure you do this one, James, with Mm -hmm. great flair. And it's not that you have a list of to-dos. I mean, it's good that you write things down, but that list should be prioritized. There are things that you absolutely need to do now or I'll die or something bad will happen. That's A. B is it's okay if I do later within the week or two weeks. And then C, I would like to do this if I have some time. And then D is hold and eventually throw out. Or you can just throw it out now. This is this is the system of when I was a manager at Mobile Oil years and years and years ago in another lifetime. I was constantly, because we were in the service organization part of We were servicing people in mobile, not customers outside of mobile. So my customers were inside of mobile. So there were always people that had to have something right this second. And I learned very quickly to discern when people actually needed things because it was a priority for them, but it wasn't necessarily a priority for me. And I had to be able to discern whether... Am I going to lose my job if I don't do this? So I had, I actually had three baskets in front of my desk or my desk. And each basket had a letter A, of course, do now. B, do within the week or two weeks. C, this is something I'd really like to do if I have the time. And then there was D, and I literally had that sign on there hold and eventually throw out. And Four times a year, I'd go on vacation and I'd pick everything up in D and I'd throw it into the waste paper <laughs> basket. Yeah. And actually, what was really interesting about that, no one ever said anything about those D projects. You know, they were just idle chat. You know, somebody come into the technical information center and they, you know, they're kind of have actually having an idea session with themselves and talking to me about it out loud. But they were things that really on no one's list was a priority and actually weren't ever going to get done anyway, because there are bigger things that have to be finished. So there are other priority systems, you know, tackle big projects first is one of these. And then second, do the things you can do quickly. So I don't know how you are, James, but sometimes I like to do the quick things first and then leave the big projects until this is another, the weight reactive mm. part, right? You yeah. know, do all the quick things first because it makes us feel good, but we don't get the big projects done. So this system actually says tackle those big projects first, then the things that you can do quickly. And so I like the A, B, C, D system that works well for me. 
But the point is not to get stuck in a system or dogma. Create your own system. Use a system that will work the best for what you need to complete. Yeah, I got to say, Miss Susan, you are just brilliant. You know, it's so crazy. Is like, so I do, in fact, I've adopted it's a system much like yours, but I I was not innovative like you. I read a book called uh, GTD, Getting Things Done by David Allen. And in that, it's he literally has something just very similar to what you, the example you provided here. It's slightly different. There's like actual boxes. There's an inbox. There's a do now, a do, you know, a do later, a kind of a, a triage. But it's so fascinating because you really described what he's put in his book. And, oh, really? And yeah. Yeah. And I know you missed, like there was an opportunity. You could have had a book there. It was like, there yeah, so, yeah, excellent system. I, like I said, I learned it from GTD by David Allen. If you haven't heard of that book, it's really good. It's, it's also about how to take in data because we get all this stuff and that we want to do or can do, and it helps us crystallize, like you said, kind of what's important. So with like my business or my experiences, I do a triage much like that in, you know, what's, and it's something I check and touch every day because, Hey, something really big might've come up that takes precedence. And so sure. I need to shift focuses. But in terms of kind of my workflow, I am a little bit like Brian Tracy, eat the frog. And so in the morning I do the thing that I least want to do in my business, which is kind of like some analytics and some data entry and overview of statistics on, you know, what we trans the transportation loads from the day before I get all that stuff. I'm not really excited about. Then it's like emails. And I, I save the stuff that I really want to do in my business for later in the day. Cause if I start there, I won't have the energy to do the things I don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's good because Steve Strauss, who actually was one of the original coaches here in Texas, uh, executive coaches, uh, he called himself a strategic coach. I, he's, I think he's still working after all these years, but he used this little, I don't know, affirmation or whatever he says, successful people want pleasing results. Everybody else wants pleasing methods. Mm, yeah. So if it's fun to do, if it's not real challenging, you know, it's all about the methodology. It's not about the results. So what you're saying is this is about the results and right. that's more likely to create success for people than going for the method <laughs> mm -hmm. and have it, you know, okay, I'm going to do the fun things first. Right. So for that's sure. good. Yeah. I think, like you said, the moral of that one really is a system is going to be different. The one you've adopted works really well for you. The one I have is an amalgamation of many other systems. But the point is, you got to have a system because whether you know it or not, there is one there. Um, unless you yes. do it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And we'll get more into like how you can refine that later on, I think, with evidence when we talk about that. But yeah, good. The next one on the list here is make certain that your priorities are yours. You know, this this steps into some of like the people pleaser realm, you know, whether you're pleasing your boss, your peers, your clients, your customers, pleasing them might uh, always not be what's best for you and your business. What do you have on that, Susan? Yeah, well, I've had a, a very varied background in, in jobs and careers before I found NLP. And what's interesting there, I used to work in a laboratory at a medical college that did 
lab work for people who were running research projects in the hospital. So there was one lady, she was, there was a bunch of us young folks, you know, and then there was an older woman who was getting back into the workforce after raising her kids after 15 years. So the interesting thing about Gussie was that she had a maturity about her that we didn't have. And so if the big boss, we had a lab manager, but if the big boss came around, oh yeah, 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 yeah. All that sort of thing. We drop everything. But Gussie, she had a way about her, you know, she would just say, oh yeah. And then she'd do exactly what she was supposed you know? <laughs> she'd do exactly what she continued doing exactly what she was doing right. and knowing that in the long run that was going to get us you know farther down the road than dropping everything and doing some pet project for somebody and what's really interesting is nobody said anything about those projects that never got anything done again they're people talking out loud listening to their own ideas but you know they're not going to stick anybody's feet to the fire to get them mm -hmm. done because the minute they walk out the door they're on to something else and mm -hmm. doing what they need to do so absolutely people pleasers will sometimes have trouble with that because they want to be liked and they'll they'll get derailed by other people's agendas. I think this happens a lot in companies. And so you want to ask yourself, you know, am I doing this for me and what I need to do for my business? Or this is especially true for business owners, or am I doing this for someone else because I want to be loved by them? Oh. And I think that business people over the years, I've had people contact me and say, hey, why don't you do this? Or, hey, why don't you do that? Or because I, I did what I want to do and I still do what I want to do in my business. And I'm a lot happier for it than trying to make myself into somebody else's tour de force. And that's a big thing for people to realize, I think, is that you want to develop your own style, your own business, your own identity for your business. They'll love you anyway, with or without the things that they think you ought to do. So let's see. The next one is have a plan. Okay. A list of goals is not a plan. There are people out there that can help you with business planning. So find one and pay them to help you. Uh, a plan will tell you where to focus for clients, how to market to them, and what to provide. It's a system. Oh, there's that S word again. <laughs> it's a system that addresses all the parts and interactions. It's not a list. And I can't tell you how important, you know, some people call it a business plan. I know I have this little one-page thing that sometimes I help people with. It's called a one-page business plan. One of my clients who originally worked for a large tech company, sent it to me and I just adapted it for anybody. You can, you can fill it out for yourself, obviously, but it's just one page, but it really helps you focus what, how, when, all of that kind of stuff without just working off a list, which is very linear. You want, you want to have a system in place that addresses all the moving parts and all the interactions like I said before. Yeah, absolutely. I really think, and maybe we should do this because I could talk to you for three or four days straight about this very topic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I am like an Android when it comes to this. I have to 
have a mapped out system with actionable and executable like the process you know whenever i'm starting a business my initial research is really mapping that out and it's a live document because as i start to go through the process to achieve whatever goal that or desired outcome that my plan is set forth you know sometimes you learn things on, along the way so it should be adaptable but i don't know how people try to do things at a high level without it and it's something externalized and that just might be me like i have to externalize it from my mind i just can't keep it up there yeah so yeah i've got to write it down i've got to map it out kind of do a little bit of research and have it make some sense like i live and die by that by that sentiment yeah. You know, I think that also having that kind of system in place, a plan helps you pay attention to evidence, evidence procedure. You yeah. know, what is the feedback you're getting? And you, James, I don't know that if I have this on the list or not. No, but you mentioned research. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Over the years, people have come to me with business ideas. You know, I want to start a business. Okay. And... I don't know why they're talking to me, although I've started two or three of them, but they'll say, okay, I want to start a business. And then I want to avoid being a Debbie Downer. But before you go leaping off the cliff, you better find out if there's water there. Mm, and yeah. I think that people who have business ideas need to do some due diligence and some research in their local area if the business is going to be local to find out if there's a market. And if there's a market, who else is doing it? And what kind of market shares do they have? People have great ideas, but you know, getting into the supplement market at this time, you better have something that's akin to the fountain of youth. Because <laughs> it is, yes, it's a billion dollar industry. And I'm not saying that what a person can develop is not useful or not important, but gosh, you know, a Peter Thiel talks about this in Zero to One, in his little book called Zero to One, which is about him and PayPal. And PayPal, that was a brand new idea. Nobody had ever tried anything like that before. So everybody else is kind of an also ran. Doesn't mean you can't make you know money, but he says, if you come up with something that's totally new and do the research and plan well, that's what's going to get you to launch a very successful business. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you you went nail on head when you said due diligence. Yeah. I'm starting actually in the process of uh, a new business venture, and I, I can't talk a whole lot about it, but I will say this, like same thing when I got into transportation and logistics or really anything that I've done, it's there's a period of time where I am, I'm mapping it out. I'm researching. Is it viable? You're right. Is there, what's the space in the market look like for me? What kind of profits? How does that system work? And then what I'm going for, part of the theme of that phase for me is I'm trying to come up with the unseen and the unforeseeable. We heard that term, right? Like, oh, that oh, yes. I was just the unseen and the un well, my job, or at least what I self-assign to me when I'm doing this preparation, this ideation, this research phase, this mapping out the processes of how I can open a business or whatever that may be, I am actually trying to, what is the unseen and unforeseeable? What are my holes, my blind spots? I'm specifically looking for those things to try to, you know, just increase the potential for success. Um, right. It's big part of that process. Yeah. yeah. Which I think this is a great segue to the next one on the list here is the procedures, not only for how we get things started, but just you got to have procedures in place for how to handle things 
even if they are unexpected, like we just said. You know, one of the the things that we talked about, I think this works synergistically with, you know, the scheduling time and, and priorities and prioritizing tasks is... You know, there's times where I talk all this game where I'm going to schedule out my day. I'm going to have my morning for emails. I'm going to have this app block for this and that block for that. But then you get that phone, that emergency phone call where it's like, hey, there's a fire. Can't be ignored right here, right now. Unforeseen, unforeseeable. And so what I've done in the past is I did what I had to do. I put my firefighting hat on, got out my fire extinguisher. Sometimes I had to call the big truck, if you know what I'm saying. But after we put this fire out and the dust settled, I then created a procedure for handling that. An if this, then that procedure that talked that details what I did, what the problem was, how we solved it. So now my company has a plan to handle that once upon a time, unforeseen and unforeseeable event for the future. Right. That's so, so important, especially a, a solopreneur oftentimes will not have procedures in place for how to handle things if they're unexpected, but you should, and mm -hmm. they should be written down, even if they're not all fleshed out so that you don't have to spend time. If you've got something in front of you that needs to be handled right away, you want to spend time trying to figure out what's the best course of action. You know what the best course of action is. You take out your little procedure book and go, oh, yeah, that's we decided we would do this if this happened. I think it's so, so important to think ahead and have something in place that will tell you what to do, especially if it's a crisis. And, you know, during crisis, people aren't always 100% thinking straight. Yeah. Oh, well, they're yeah. stressed. A lot of cortisol in their system shifts the brain function from, you know, frontal lobe to the hindbrain, which is fight or flight. And so at the time that they most need all their logical, rational thinking, it, you know, goes out the door and switches to the hindbrain functions, which are survival. And so the kind of things that we do when we're under stress or even distressed is not a great place to be making really good decisions. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I had it pulled up in front of me. I know that you've done an episode in the past on state management because yes, or, or, or actually two things I wanted to say before we move on to the next. And the first one is that sometimes when you get like, if you have a quote unquote fire, we'll say that needs to be put out. If you, you can take a breath and, relax, like let your emotions settle down so you can make better decisions. Like that's a really good route if you have that available, but sometimes you don't and you've got to make a decision. So like I said, I wish I had it pulled up in front of me, but if you want something to give you tools to handle those types of situations, check out some of Susan's episodes on state management. I, I know, I think you and I've even done one together. Yes, I know you've I done think a few. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't already, please go check out the episode uh, where Susan is addressing this thing. Cause that is, that's big, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's where your NLP skills come in big time, because if you don't have those resource anchors, if you don't have that resource state that you can access fully and immediately, then things can get turbulent and, and stay that way. So I'm going to skip over the boundaries. You can do the boundaries one if you want, but I, I want to talk about the finding the rails since 
this one is that has a lot to do with what we're talking about. You know, what what do we do if something comes up and we don't have any way of handling it or we've never thought about it before? But I think that oftentimes when turbulence sets in and you feel, find yourself whirling like a top, just stop and get your bearings. I call it finding the rail. Okay, you know, going back to our ice skating metaphor that if we find the rail and hold on, all we have to do are ask ourselves is, well, what's the first thing that I have to do next? Instead of hopping from one thing another step by step, just figure out what the next step is. The other things will come along. But if for some reason you get into a situation where you're just whirling like a top, it's really better to stop and get your bearings and grab onto the rail first. I remember uh, years ago, I used to do a ropes course in my practitioner program. We used to spend a uh, day out, a challenge course, sometimes people call it. Used to have a day out in the um, beautiful Texas sunshine, 20 feet, 30 feet above the air, doing all kinds of things, and um, which for some people was a lot of fun. Some people was just terrifying, but it was all about learning state management. And uh, I remember there was there's one little exercise that we did. It was actually close to the ground. But what's it called? Um, I think it was called the woozy wire. Hmm. And it's a triangle that goes, it starts at, at the apex and goes out to two other trees and then across. And so the only thing that you have to hold onto, it's only a foot off the ground. So we're not talking about something serious. But when you're holding onto this rope that moves around, it's attached to that apex tree, and you're you're moving backwards on this wire rope, it's very, even the people with the excellent balance have a hard time negotiating that because the rope you're standing on is moving, and then the rope, it's not static that you're holding onto, so people are flopping around, so you speak like a fish, and it's very difficult to get all the way out to that next place at the end of the first line to uh, then it's easy because going across those two trees at the bottom of the triangle is easy. All you have to do is lean back and slide yourself along. And then coming back, it's different because now you're moving forward with that silly rope that moves all the way instead of moving backwards. Well, I had this woman, she was a real estate agent and really having a lot of struggle with maintaining her. I mean, this was a woman who who liked to deny a whole lot of things. And uh, mail was one of them. Her mail just piled up. She didn't open bills. She doesn't, you know, it is as, as if, if I ignored, it's not there. Well, anyway, so she's going along, going out you know, with the rope and the rope she's standing on is wobbling so much and she's trying so hard not to step off of it. I've never seen, I mean, she was, she had spotters that were literally holding her up an inch above the ground in a prone position. Wow. And I said, I, I can't remember what her name was anyway. I said, step off the rope. And so she did. And then she thought it was a failure. And I said, all right, get control you know, get your balance again, then just step back up on the wire and continue, which is what she did. And then she did what better. The biggest thing she learned out of that is 
All I have to do is step off and then I can step back on again. And I think about how many people, they get to a turbulent part of whatever they're doing. Maybe it's weight loss. Maybe it's an exercise program. You know, something really simple in our life. And something doesn't work exactly right. And they just deep six the whole project. Instead of going, okay, let me get my bearings. Let me step out. Let me figure out what's going on. And then I can step back in in a renewed place. So that's what I mean. Find the rail. Step off and just get your balance again. And then you can step back on. And that's the first thing you have to do next is step off and figure out what you're doing. Then you can hop back on. And James, you have a great example we were talking about the other day, how you reorged your business. And uh, in some respects, that's what you were doing, wasn't it? I mean, there you were getting feedback and evidence that, that the way things were running wasn't working. And so you really stepped up and did a lot of things that actually turned the business around. So I think that's one of the most important things that you can do because business is going to have boom times and sometimes bust times and you just have to go with flow. Oh yeah. You know, on a macro level, you said it right. You know, we were paying attention to evidence that we'll talk about and how you can best respond to some of that evidence, but more on a micro level. And I do, I do have somewhat of an organization now. I have some, I have a team. And when we are faced with an issue, you know, we get a contact email from our customer that talks, you know, that might reference a gap in the scheduling, which means, you know, less business for us. And, or essentially what I, what I share with my team is, okay, from this, what information do we know? What is fact? And we separate fact from our speculation, right? Or our fact from our stories that we're telling ourselves about what's actually taking place. So what do we know? What do we know for sure? We have to delineate from fact, from our fiction. And then from that information, what parts of that do we actually have control over? And then that gives us something to do. And we're not reacting to stories or fears or imagination. We're reacting to to the best we can tell, what we think is factual information, and then what part of that system can we influence? And then we operate from there. It gives us something to do, makes us all feel a little better. And then a lot of times that's what we needed. It gets us our forward progress and we tend to, the issue will work itself out. Right. That's really good. So why don't you take the boundaries one? Oh yeah. You know, and this shows up in, in many different ways, but boundaries, and again, Susan has a great episode where she dives much more deeply into boundaries. So we're just highlighting some things here. But yeah, boundaries, having business hours with your clients, you know, if you're working one-on-one, like maybe in a coaching setting, there will be times when you have to work longer hours, of course, naturally. Like you said, solopreneur, for sure, it's baked in. Uh, But having an average will lead to balance. And I think that's where boundaries really comes into play. It's work-life balance, relationship balance, not only like a personal relationship, but one with your clients or your customers or your peers, or maybe subordinates who are working for you. you. You must know what you will do and what will you not do. You know, set that clear, distinct boundary Um, as a provider of goods or service. And of course, having a few loose boundaries where, you know, a grip is kind of loose on them can lead to burnout and sometimes serious physical ailments. I know 
just from personal experience, uh, you know, the referencing the transportation and logistics company that I'm a part of this last year, I struggled with boundaries. It, in some cases, I had very strong boundaries. And then others, I didn't. And as a result, I had some very stressful moments. And, and that's really what it boiled down to is I had to get really clear with my boundaries. Yeah, that's so, so important. And I know sometimes in the beginning, just to make money, obviously, and we're just getting going, people will take all kinds of people as clients that hopefully that doesn't last because sometimes sometimes in the beginning, we take clients that really aren't good clients for us based on what, what it is that we're offering. And so if you're going to survive in business over three years, I think developing boundaries of what you're offering people and being able to say no if someone wants something that really is on the fringe of what you're offering. And if you can't make money on it, just remember business is not a social program. It is okay for you to be a volunteer and volunteer your goods and services if that's relevant in places that you need to, but you don't need to do it in your business. And I can't tell you in the beginning, I worked with probably more people than I care to admit that this wasn't right for them. They really needed to be in therapy. And therapy and and I, we don't do the same thing, a therapist and I. So that's one thing to take into consideration. I just had a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who who she and her husband have a estate planning firm. He's an attorney. And she said, recently, we're, we've been getting these people in there. They have a new attorney who's bringing these people in that are fraud cases from other attorneys. And my friend just put her foot down and says, we do not do this. First of all, there's nothing really we can do except get in a lawsuit and we're not in a, we're not a litigation firm. So they need to find a lawyer. But she said the second thing is is that we can't make any money off of it. And I know that sounds terrible, but to keep the doors open for the people that that can pay, right? You can't give away your business all the time. You know, sometimes it's okay once in a while, but if they're if it's going to take up a lot of time, then you can't be there for somebody else who is a paying client. And I think this is I know this is kind of a hard line for for a lot of people, but if you want to stay in business as long as I have been in business, you have to draw a line about who you're going to work with and who you're not. And you can't take on too many charity cases. I chose to spend my time doing training, you know, for some of the local social programs here in Dallas, the Girls Incorporated, and, you know, there's the family place. So I I donated my training expertise to train their consultants and their helpers and that sort of thing. And sometimes the people that that were in the situation. But for the most part, business is business. And I think people ought to pay attention to that. Yeah. So anyway, we've talked about this next one. Take a deep breath, step back, step out of the situation, assess your position from an observer position. And one of the things that I find helpful, and post-it notes work really well for this, good old post-it notes, is to take a card out or a post-it note, have one for each one of the things that you need to get done and then lay it out. Or sometimes you can put it on a wall. 
and then look at them and then organize them in order of importance. Sometimes when you see the whole thing, it's a lot easier to do the one that's the most important and let the rest follow. So it's a little technique I've used over the years, the card technique where I just lay it out so I can see the whole thing. It's very much like a, putting a puzzle together, right? You got to turn mm. over the pieces and have all the pieces out in front of you if you're going to have any chance of putting something together. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, the observer or utilizing that process of the observer position and the other, ah, that's one that I just forget to, it's one arrow that's in the quiver that I overlook oftentimes with right. this process. I do like to um, take a walk. I'll like set it down, not think about it, come back to it and kind of let my nervous system calm down. But man, I really ought to think more about how I can incorporate that process because it's really good. Yeah. So, so important. It's uh, good for looking for evidence also. Sometimes when you're in time and you're only looking at what's going on around you and a little bit of what's in front of you is different from stepping off your timeline and looking at the whole process because it's a lot easier to understand how something is happening in a system rather than just one by one by one by one by one, which sometimes isn't even helpful in understanding how things are connected. So I think it's it's very much like get a hold of the rail mm, strategy. Yep. Yeah, excellent. Well, so let's move on to the next. And here we have drop off the unimportant or no longer useful things, right? You know, if you're one of those people who has filled your life with so much that one misstep spells disaster, then you'll probably feel like panicky and, you know, afraid, nervous, scared most of the time. Yeah. Right. So if, true. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just going to say, you know, if one thing, one thing goes wrong or is unexpected, then the whole, you know, the whole whole life unravels or the whole cloth unravels. So dropping off can be one of the most freeing exercises that you can do for yourself. And you can you can drop off. It can mean a whole bunch of things, right? It can be getting rid of worn out friends, clothes, office equipment clients that are too much trouble, activities that you don't want to do, organizations which are no longer aligned with your purpose. You can drop off attitudes, feelings, what you say to yourself. If you volunteer, in addition to running a business, take a break. You can come back to it later and declutter your desk. I can't tell you how how nice that feels when you look at your desk and everything is put away. <laughs> really There's clears something. your mind too. <laughs> There's something that just it's an endorphin release when you when you really do clean and organize. This, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I do that, I just kind of feel better. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the other things that I've learned over the years is and I think this comes out of having a service business, you know, with people is to do something for yourself consistently and regularly. Once a week or once every other week, go to a movie, have a massage, exercise three times a week, go shopping, have lunch with a friend, and make sure that it's something you want to do. If you find yourself doing things that you resent because somebody else wants to do them, that's the same thing as somebody else's priority, then happiness will elude you. So this is something that you need to do. I have things 
that I do every week or every other week or sometimes monthly just for myself. There are things that I really love to do, have my nails done, you know, have an acupuncture appointment every week. You know, I go and see my chiropractor, uh, massage. Sometimes I just like to go to do a little retail therapy. And it's not even to buy something. It's just to go to the store, look at things, look, you know, and oftentimes I don't buy anything, but it's just being out in public and wandering around the store, look at all the stuff, you know, that I could buy, but really don't want to. You know, so anyway, I've just learned to be self sorting when it comes to my own health and well being. Because if I don't do that, nobody else is going to do it for me. Otherwise, again, you'll a personal burnout. Um, if you're constantly doing something for someone else or other people and not doing anything for yourself, that's where mm. burnout comes from. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're all a system, you know, there's we deal with systems, systems help us be successful and figure things out. But we're a system as well in that you're right. It takes a lot of different inputs and it can't, it's just like boils down to work-life balance. And then, yeah, serving yourself so you can mentally be your best, emotionally be fit. For me, it's hanging out with my family, playing games with my kids, uh, playing chess with the kiddos. We go hiking, camping. I mean, that's those are my me time things just because, you know, that's the season of my life. Right. But I, I just could, I couldn't agree more. If I didn't have those outlets and it was just all, you know, being a firefighter, it'd probably be pretty tough. Yeah. And that's one thing, James, that I've noticed about you, knowing you over the years, is that I think probably the highest priority is your family and, you know, your wife and your kids. And you consistently and regularly do fun things with them. And it's quite admirable, I think, because it's when you're young, like you, you know, in the prime of your business and working life, it's so easy just to be work, 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 and not pay any attention to that. And I, you know, when we talk, you're always saying, oh, we and the kids, my wife, we did this, or we went out to, what was that place out there? The dinosaur park. And oh yeah. 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 I, that just is so good. And it's so healthy for your kids. It's not only healthy for you, but it's healthy for your kids and your family and your connection that you have with them. And oh, I think sure. as they get older, they're probably getting older faster than you want them to. But I think you'll have less problems with them as teenagers, as they become young adults, because you did spend time with them. And I mean, quality time, not sitting around watching TV. So I think it's really a testament to how committed you are to having that kind of experience with your family. Oh, thank you. It means a lot. Thank you very much for that. This is very kind of you. And uh, the way I, you know, categorize my life and experience here, this is just me. Everybody's different. This is just mine. Is my family is the most important thing to me. I've been going on 20 years married to my wife. We have three wonderful, beautiful children and all this business stuff. And that's all for them. But I have to kind of zoom out and high level, you know, if I just am so horse blinders on the business stuff to provide for them, to give them a better opportunity and future than I had, but yet I, you know, teaching them morals and values and quality time and how to respect one another and really being there as a dad for them, that I'm not giving the full picture here. I'm not giving them what I think they truly deserve. So yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's very kind. So 
maybe that can bring us into evidence because you just gave some evidence about your observations just on a high level for me and my life. But what do you think about the role of evidence within back to the firefighting and our business and, and things of that nature? Well, obviously, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, you know, we can, we can also talk about slowing the movies inside your head, get the room to stop spinning, focus on one thing at a time. I always think it's good for you to say, tell yourself that you can do it. Just have a running tape inside your head, mm. even if it seems impossible. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. If you tell yourself, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. My life is difficult. You're going to spend a lot of time overcoming that tape when in fact you can do it and you will. And you know, if you, there's a lot of expert guides out there that you can hire. Yeah, I've said this before and I'm saying it again, because if the price that you pay an expert guide is the difference between success and failure, then it's worth every penny you pay them. So pay people to do things that it would cost more for you to do it themselves. You know, one thing is bookkeeping. I am not a bookkeeper, but I know the value of it, right? But I can pay somebody a lot less money than I would make working with a client who is a lot better at it and actually enjoys doing it. I think we get into situations where we think, oh, well, to save a little money, I'm going to do this. Well, guess what? Then you're not happy. Well, if you're not happy, then what kind of face are you putting out to your your clients? So anyway, going back to your question about evidence, it's all evidence-based because if you find yourself being a firefighter, you know, going from crisis to crisis, you've got to step out and take a look at that's evidence that something is out of balance. And if you, if the buck stops where you are and you're the head of the show, then it stops with you. Something in you is out of balance. And for you to step back, find the rail, take a deep breath, have your plan in place, have your outcomes in place, doing the things that you want to do, setting the boundaries that you need to set, taking care of yourself on a regular basis. All of these things, you know, having the procedures, scheduling the time away from phone calls and the internet connection so that you can get things done and prioritize your tests. All of these things have evidence that they're either working or they're not working. And so pay attention to that. Some of you may live in places where there's no ice skating, and I really get that. (laughs) Uh, But I'm sure there are other times when there are water sports, like wind sailing. Right. Talk about a nightmare. (laughs) Some people are really good. But you get up on that board, right? I mean, you've got to have almost perfect balance to stay upright for more than 30 seconds. So. Yeah, that feeling of being out of balance, the wild swings, that, that sort of thing, that's all evidence that something needs to be adjusted. And finding somebody that can help you put things back into order is so, so helpful. And, you know, sometimes you can do that yourself. I mean, over the years, I've done it myself. I've just stepped back from things and viewed them from a different angle and oftentimes was able to fix whatever it was so that I could move forward. So any other comments you have about that, James? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's some heavy hitters in in what you just said. Something that comes to mind, and this kind of alludes back to drop off the unimportant, but, you know, through the observation of evidence, 
you want to outsource, delegate, and automate, right? So that was something you you mentioned earlier that uh, eventually I hired more of a team. I had I hired a, a director of operations, and uh, I got a new CFO. And what was some of the evidence I felt was like I can't do this by myself. <laughs> like I need to start getting people in here to help me continue to progress the company. And as I was about a year into the company and I was wearing all the hats except for the financial one. Cause like you, it's, it's not for me and what that allowed. So I did spend a lot of that time in firefighter mode and I found I had a really hard time working on the business because I was stuck working in the business. Right. And there was a bunch of different things that uh, led me to that point. And I, I, I pulled a, a few different levers. It wasn't just hiring some more staff, but uh, that was a big part of it. And that was part of a really big part of our turnaround, our change. We're just exploding now. I have so much more bandwidth. This allows me to go down this new business venture, this new company that I'm starting. And that was a big part in I outsourced, I delegated and you got to think about automation, especially in today's day and age. There's a lot of tech out there, a lot of app. I, I'm big on apps for goal setting, task tracking, all of those things that we discussed. Right. Good, 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 good. That's so, so important, James. And I think at that one place, you could have just let the thing go and said, okay, well, that's you know another thing that didn't work. But I think you really stepped back, took a look at what was going on and what needed to happen in order to solve each one of those individual processes or problems. And so you just completely turned the business around. I think that's extremely impressive, but it does take some creativity, it takes some flexibility to do that. And sometimes when people are, you know, bleeding money, so to speak, it's, it's real easy to just cut off the leg, right? Instead mm -hmm. of applying a tourniquet and figuring out you know, how do you get the blood to stop? And more importantly, though, how do I get to the place where I can start moving again and move more smoothly, move without pain, move in the direction that I want to go? So I think that it's so important for people out there that, to understand that you know, we can't control the business climate. And, you know, there are a lot of businesses that made it through the lockdowns and pandemic, and there are a lot of businesses that didn't. I feel fortunate that I did, but a lot of it had to do with I had to step out of what I thought I should be doing and do what I needed to do in order to be there for my clients and to continue the education that I had started but could not continue in person. So as a result of that, a lot of really good things came out of it. So, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, maybe it's just time to cut our losses. And sometimes it is. And a lot of people did, and that's okay. But if you wanted to keep your business going, then change was the name of the game and being creative about that kind of change. I mean, I, I remember having seeing a picture on some social media platform in, uh, where was it? Amsterdam, where the nail people would do people's nails. The people would sit with their fingers out their mail slot. And here's a, a nail tech sitting on the other side outside doing a person's nail through the nail. Oh. Slot. Whoa. To me, that was just unbelievably creative. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. I certainly could have used it. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody said, hey, you know, I did, couldn't get anybody to come to my door. I don't, first of all, I don't have a nail slot, but I, I just thought that was so brilliant. You know, sometimes you just have to, to do things outrageously creative when it comes yeah. to keeping things going until you can find stability again. So anyway, I suppose we ought to do a recap, huh? We've been chatting away. Oh, yeah. So again, this episode was about when you feel more like a firefighter than a business owner, there's some things that you can do to help yourself. And James did a great job of talking about some of his own personal experiences when it comes to his business. But just remember that you want to schedule time away from phone and internet. Don't be a slave to your phone and computer. Be proactive, not reactive. Prioritize your tasks. Make sure that your priorities are yours and not somebody else's. Have a plan, and that means not a list of goals, but a business plan. And even if it's just a page that creates a system that, that addresses all the parts and interactions, have procedures in place to handle things, even if they're unexpected. Find the rail. When things get very turbulent, just grab a hold of whatever you can and figure out what you have to do next. Not a whole lot of things, but just the next step and slow things down. Slow the movie down inside your head if you're whirling like a top. Have boundaries. Make sure that you have business hours with your clients and yourself. That was one thing as a, as a young business owner, I was guilty of is not having really strict business hours. There are exceptions when I'll answer the phone after business hours, but rarely. And oftentimes it's somebody I've has been a client for a while or a student in the mastery course. I don't mind answering the phone, but for everybody else, business hours rules the day. Drop off the unimportant and no longer useful. Make sure that you take care of yourself. Do things for yourself consistently and regularly. Tell yourself you can do it and then hire the expert guide or hire somebody that can do the things that you A, don't want to do or not good at so that you can have the time to do what you do well. So I think that wraps it up. Anything else that you want to say, James? Yeah, I've got one more thing I just have to say. Okay. Uh, so as we worked through these, they're all wonderful. And I, I realized what a good grasp I had on them. Now, whether I always uh, implemented them or not, I had a very good grasp on them. And I'll tell you this, I just something I have to acknowledge and share with the listener. This is this transportation logistics company. It's not the first company I've started. This actually will be the fourth. and. Out of the four companies I started, the two that have been as successful, it's real estate and then, of course, this transportation logistics, they were done after going through your program. Well, real estate was pretty much during your program. And what I mean is the NLP Master's uh, Practitioner Program. Yes. And I will say that, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, like <laughs> that going through that program legitimately has been instrumental in my business success. And I didn't even come to you or that class for that, for business. Right. You know, we've talked about how it's, it's, it's been instrumental in my marriage, uh, you know, communicating with my kids as a father, all these different things. But I've had two businesses that did not work out. 
and maybe it's a coincidence or not, but it was prior to taking your courses. And it wasn't just the NLP master practitioner that I took. I took a few of the other ones that you offer, but like undoubtedly, unequivocally, there's just nothing in my mind that tells me otherwise. All of the things we talked about today, the reason I had a grasp on them was a result of going through your program, state management, procedural processes, just the boundaries. These are all things that I just legitimately got. I'm not going to say I wouldn't have been successful with these, but I got to say, I'm, I'd be hard pressed to think I'd be where I'm at today with my businesses. Not only that, but with my personal life, had I not gone through your program. Well, thank just, you, James. Yeah. You did show up and do the exercises. That's what I tell people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, you it's, yeah. Show up, do the exercises, participate. It'll work. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to, it's yeah. got to be a two, two way street. But yeah, that's really good to hear because I think that, you know, one of the reasons I've been doing NLP for so long is because it does work and it does work for a lot of different people, for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different venues, that it's not just just not a narrow band of people that it can help. That's why it's so worldwide now. And I think that people that are really committed to their own growth, I mean, chances are you would have gotten there. You're a good reader. You're good at implementing ideas that you hear. It just helped it faster, made yeah. you more, you know, helped you wake up, make you more aware of what was really going on. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't mean to make this a NLP advertisement, but it, it just makes people so much more aware so much sooner and help them pay attention to what's going on, the evidence, you know, something's working or not working so that you can make adjustments before everything falls down a hole. So anyway, hmm. I really appreciate that, James. That's that's great. And I always love having you on the show. It's always so much fun to sit and just chat with you for an hour on something that I think is really important. So I, I'm most grateful. Again, I want to thank all of my listeners or our listeners out there. You can get a hold of me at Susan at NLPTrainingConcepts.com. On my website, nlptrainingconcepts.com, there's a phone number. Do not text me on that phone number, by the way, because it is an office line. However, you know you can get a hold of me off the website. Love hearing from you and appreciate you listening as always. So James, thank you very much for helping today. I always love having James on. And now that he's uh, maybe has a little bit more time, he'll be able to do a little bit a few more of these. And we're all really grateful for that. So James, oh, thank you so much. Yes. No, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'd love to come back. Great. All right. Everybody have a great day out there and be safe. Thank you for listening to the Brain Language Podcast. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite listening platform to keep up with our newest episode. Be sure to visit our website, www.nlptrainingconcepts.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter by searching NLP Training Concepts to keep up with free resources, upcoming training, and fantastic content. Thank you for joining us and taking our minds to the next level. We'll see you next time.